As you, most of you know, Veterans Day was this past Friday, and I have read this before, um, but I wanted to read it again today. It is the soldier and not the minister who has given us freedom of religion. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the soldier and not the poet who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier and not the campus organizer who has given us freedom to protest. It is the soldier and not the lawyer who has given us the right to a fair trial. And it is the soldier and not the politician who has given us the right to vote. And it is the soldier who salutes the flag, serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped in the flag who allows the protesters to burn that very flag under which they serve. Charles Provence wrote those words, and they are so incredibly true. I know, I know my congregation, my church family, and I know that not all of you are from here originally, but there was something that drew you to this country that has been provided, I think, on the backs of the men and women who have served in our military. And I appreciate them. Memorial Day celebrates those who did not make it back. Veterans Day celebrates those who are serving or have served and yet are still alive. I know that we have at least a couple of the men uh, and family members from this church family, and actually we have a number of our young people who have graduated from college, uh, pardon me, from high school, and rather than going into college directly, they've gone into our military and armed forces, and I appreciate them. I would like to ask if you have served in the military uh, and are here today, I'd like for you to just simply stand up, and we would like to salute you and thank you for the things that you have done in service to our country and making this the best country in the world. So if you are a person who is a veteran, would you please stand and allow us to uh, celebrate you? And I know a number of others are uh, connected in ways, you know, you've got kids and uh, that kind of thing, but Eddie... You are still in the military as a reserve at this time, right? Very good. And uh, we appreciate your service. Um, I tell you what, if you don't know about Eddie, uh, Eddie was out. You got out. And then you went back in because, yeah, you look at it as a calling, not just simply as a vocation. And I know that about you. And I appreciate you. I appreciate your service and, and others. Kim, I'm glad that, I don't know, did, did Eric, did you get her and bring her in? But I, you wanted to hear this because I know that Miss McKenzie is serving overseas right now in active duty. And week in and week out, you pass a, um, a mom whose daughter is overseas and is never far from her mind where she is. I know that she had a, a Middle Eastern assignment in a dangerous area recently and uh, continue to pray for her and uh, continue to lift up Mackenzie. But I appreciate your sacrifice too. And this is a good reminder that 
not only are the soldiers the ones that sacrifice, but the soldiers' families are also the ones who sacrifice. So I want to give Kim uh, a hand this morning as well. Thank you for your family and for all that you do as well as Mackenzie and all of the others. I know some of you are probably watching from home. Uh, I'm thinking of a few men who have served in our military, uh, and I don't want to forget anyone, but we just want to say we appreciate you and all that you have done. So at this time... I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids and our teens to go back in the back, and we are going to kind of transition into a brand new teaching series uh, right now. And so if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn, we're going to be reading the scriptures uh, from Luke chapter 17. Um, and uh, so I'm going to ask Paul to come and share those scriptures with you. And uh, thank you for being a part of things already. Go ahead, Paul, come on forward and share the scriptures with us this morning. So we're going to be reading from chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who, were, who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was cleansed or healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he, had, <clears throat> then he said to them, Raise, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit, our life's practice. I want to just take a minute and uh, I want to just remind you of one of the things that we all need to be thankful for. Um, I believe it's uh, coming up. Yeah. <clears throat> y'all know this is coming, right? I mean, it's, you know, y'all will probably get that gratitude next week as well. It's been good. Uh, I told my, my buddy next door, I was like, man, it has been really good. This one feels so nice. All right. So, I have talked a lot about this and spoken quite a bit about the idea and the concept of the different sections of the commandments. And we talk about the Ten Commandments all the time, but there is a very natural division between the two parts of the Ten Commandments. And if you don't you know, think about it and don't have it pointed out to you, you might not see it, but I want you to see it. So let's check it out here. There are two sections. The first four have to do with the vertical, God to mankind, the relationship between us and God and God and us. But then from five through 10, those six commandments there have to do with the horizontal. They have to do with mankind to mankind, woman to woman, woman to man, man to woman, man to mankind. And so these are the differences in these different uh, ways of looking at the commandments. And so as you look at this, you need to understand that whenever we go into a season like Thanksgiving, we need to understand that, yes, it is true that we need to be grateful to the God who has made us and brought so many wonderful things into our life. 
But part of what we do not often recognize, but we need to be thinking about is that if we will be thankful, more than likely, it will not just simply be from us to, ma- uh, to God, but it will begin and it will be practiced first from us to others and from others to us. And so I want to share today the idea and the concept of living a grateful life or a life full of thanksgiving um, from us to others. And I want to, you know, kind of sit there, focus there, and really take our time to go through what that may look like. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I know this for me personally. There are things that I know kind of leave a gap, and leave a space. And here's what I'm talking about. There's a natural space for gratitude, and you know it and I know it. We live our lives by it. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and then I'm going to have you help me to make sure that we're all on the same page. Because you might be thinking, well, I'd probably be more grateful if people around me were worthy of my gratitude. But man, you should see the fools I'm surrounded by, right? No, it's not like that. I want you to know it's not like that. And here's what I know. There is a natural space in your life for gratitude that it almost gets awkward if you're not giving the gratitude in those spaces. Here's, have you ever had this happen to you? Has somebody ever walked up to you and go, new haircut? And you go, yeah. And they go, huh. How many of you know that's not cool? Y'all had that experience? That's not cool. That is a space for gratitude and compliment. If you don't give it, it just gets real awkward real fast. How many of you have a thumbs up emoji on your phone? If you, get a, if you got one of those, give me one of these, all right? <laughs> I need to tell you that some of you need to understand that's helpful and it's fast, but it's not always sufficient, Hey, I just passed the bar exam. I've been studying for eight months solid. I can't believe I passed. It's been a lifelong goal achieved. And you go, whoop. How many of you know that's not enough? That's an underappreciation. That's not showing appreciation. Well, technically it is, but how many of you know that's not going to get it? You guys understand? If y'all got it, give me the gladiator thumbs up. All right, I'm living. All right, very good. So real quickly, we're going to do this little game. If you know that you should give appreciation with your words and express that in these moments, give me a thumbs up. If you're unsure, you can go like this. And if you don't think you need to, you can go like this. You guys got the game? If y'all got it? All right. Okay, very good. So I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios, and I want to see if you recognize that you need to give appreciation. Your boss comes to you and says, I didn't have to do it but I just gave you a 20% raise, no questions asked, and no additional necessary you know, work on your side. I just wanted to say thanks for all that you've done. You say yes, not sure, or no. How many of you know if you go here or here, you probably don't get to keep that raise? At least not for long. Six months, tops, you're replaced, Right? Why? Because, man, they don't even appreciate something crazy that I gave them. So there is a natural place for appreciation. If you don't give it or if you give a half-hearted, it will come back on you, just like the haircut thing. You guys with me? Give me a thumbs up. All right. Some of y'all are like, no, I refuse to be told what to do in church. 
I get it. Okay, here's the second scenario. You walk up to me. See that guy that's running? Yeah. You see that knife he's got in his hand? Yeah. He was hidden in your bushes at your front door, but I saw him. I heard him say, I'm going to take all of their money as soon as they get here and probably stab them and leave them in a pool of blood. But I chased them off. How many of y'all know I need something more than a whoop? (laughs) Natural space for appreciation. All right. Scenario number three. Are any of y'all like, no, I mean, (laughs) they don't need a thank you. Um, All right. Well, what about this? Hey, that project that you've been working on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it feels overwhelming, and you said it was going to take you 12 months. I've done away with everything that's on my plate. I'm going to take on the other part of the project. We'll get it done in three months tops instead of the 12 that you thought. I'm here for you. All you need to do is just tell me what to do, and I will do it for you to make sure that your project gets done. That's a thumbs up. Am I right? So you know, don't you, that there's natural places in your life for appreciation. So here's where I go from comedy to tragedy. How you doing on that? How you doing on that whole thing where natural appreciation is there and it almost even gets awkward if you don't give it? And how you doing on giving it as often as you should. How are you doing on being that person who says, this is the place where I should be grateful. And let's hit another pause because if you listen to the passage of scripture that Paul read, and I gotta tell y'all, I always use this passage. I always use it. It's it's one of those that I could literally teach a series on constantly because it's just so rich. But if you look here and you think about what Paul just read and the 10 men who were cured of leprosy, they are running in a different direction to go and see their family. We'll talk more about what that actually looked like at that time. And how many of them came back to say thank you? How many? Y'all were listening. What? What? Just one. Does this tell you that it is very easy for us to forget to be grateful even when it could even be awkward if we don't embrace the natural space for being grateful in our life? But it happens all the time. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you have done something for someone and when you did it, you felt No appreciation or at very most an underappreciation. How many of you have had that happen at least once in your life? What, do you all not have jobs? I mean, (laughs) right? Like we always feel underappreciated at our jobs at very least, right? Or even in family situations or whatever it might be where we have that space, they left it blank instead of got in and said something that almost felt like it was harder to not say something than to say something right? It's weird. Makes it awkward. And how many of you have noticed, (laughs) here's the bad news. The bad news is that you can't really say something. Not really. I mean, because even if they go, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Thank you. You're like, no, it's too late, man. It is too late. You had your chance. You had your shot. And yeah, that makes it maybe 3% better, but 
the other 97 just can't be made up, right? You've had that happen. You can't say, hey, thank you. <laughs> now you do it with your kids. What do you say? We all have the same parental voice. I don't know why that is. You know, here, here's something. And what do you say, Randy? You know, that's like always what my parents would say. And I'm like, I know. I already know the answer to this question. It's always, yeah. So I guess what I'm sharing with you today is a little bit of a challenge. And I want to go deeper because here's the truth. When you leave those spaces unfilled with gratitude, people withdraw from you. They withdraw from you, not because they're thirsty, not because they need it, not because they're extra, not because they're drama, not because of any of that stuff. It is because there's an awkwardness when I give or serve or help or do and you don't appreciate or underappreciate, you begin to have withdrawal thoughts in your mind and withdraw actions in your life. Now, this may sound like I'm trying to be meddling and stuff, but I'm not. Here's what I'm trying to share with you. The truth is, is that if you have a spouse, this matters. Because I promise you, spouses feel underappreciated and undervalued. If you have a kid, I promise you this matters because kids feel underappreciated all the time. It might not be true, but they feel it. And you know what? Perception is reality a lot of the time. And I can go on and on and on down the list. If you've got coworkers, if you've got bosses, if you've got family members that are extended, if you can go on and on and on and on, I could list a lot of different things. And we're going to talk about it a little bit. But it is so important and so valuable for us to grasp that you and I have a natural space in our life for gratitude and thanks. And if we give it, our relationships grow and develop. And if we fail to do so, our relationships begin to withdraw and die. If we are not seeing the relationships in our life the way that we want to see them showing up in our lives, then I got to tell you, give this a shot. Be the chief cheerleader in your kid's life. Be the chief cheerleader in your spouse's life. And we're going to talk about that and what that might look like as we move forward. Very quickly, I try to always give you guys something extra. If you want to go back and listen to more, you can go back and listen to Anne Lee Stanley's podcast. And yes, I know we just finished his book. It's important, but he has a Your Move podcast called Give Thanks. It's from November 2021. And it is great. And so if you want to go on a little further in this area of your life, if you know that the Lord is speaking to you and you know you need to do better in this area of your life, then go to that podcast and listen. It will go deeper and it will be better. So very quickly, let's talk about some something to learns here. Let's talk about a few things that are really important for you to grasp. Leprosy was a highly contagious skin disease and therefore anyone who had it was made to live outside the community to make sure that it didn't spread. And in many ways, those living in a leper's colony were close enough to see people enjoying the life that they themselves could live no longer. In other words, they could see the life and the interaction and all of these things going on, but they could not participate because the truth is, is if anybody came close to them, if they got within, you know, shouting distance, they had to cover their mouth, put forth their hand and shout out at the top of their lungs, unclean. Unclean. 
I'm unclean. Get away, I'm unclean. That way, leprosy would not spread from me to you and back and forth, and it would not become a, a pandemic, right? A pandemic, okay? If y'all, allow, y'all do realize there were others besides for the one that we endured, right? There are others, but yes, it could not become an epidemic or a pandemic or anything like that if they could just maintain that distance. So stop for a moment and think. When Jesus treated these men like they had value and worth, can you even imagine what it must have felt like whenever they had been shouting for years in some of their situations, I'm unclean, stay away, please step back, don't come near me. Not because I don't want you to, but because I'm unclean. And I want it to be different, but it can't be and it's not. Stay away, I'm unclean. And so they shout at the top of their lungs to Jesus as he's walking by. And he says to them, what I want you to do is I want you to go and show yourself to the priest. See, this is what they had to do to be declared clean and be allowed back into society again. To be able to be reunited with their family, friends, and con- you know, continue the normal life that they had before they had a leprous spot show up on their skin. And so... This is what they had to do. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And when he did, let's point this out, they had not yet been healed or cleansed. They still had leprosy on their body. They had to take an act and a step of faith to move towards what God said that they should do first and foremost. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. So they started walking. And as they started walking and making their way to the priest, they looked down, and I can only imagine in my mind's eye, the leprosy that was on their body starts to go away spot by spot, and like, like a CGI movie or something, it just vanishes, and it's no longer there, and they've been healed. And it starts to fall on them. My life that I never thought I'd have again is suddenly within reach again. I might be healed and cleansed. And they begin to go faster, I'm sure, faster and faster as they go to the priest. They show themselves to the priest. They're declared to be clean. And nine of them cannot wait to go and hug their kids and hug their family and show themselves to be clean and be welcomed back into the the polite society in a miraculous way. But one man slow down enough to say, before I go to anyone else, I've got to go back to the man that healed me and brought life back to my life. This is powerful. This is an amazing thing. And Jesus calls it out. He doesn't just let it pass by and go, huh, cool, hope you all got that. He makes sure to call something out, and I want us to camp here for just a little bit of time. Look at this. Let's go to our next slide. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a what? Samaritan. We're going to talk more about that. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Is this the only guy who received the blessing? No, no. All 10 received the blessing. He knew that. But only one took time to say he was grateful and verbally express it. Now, all right, hold on. All right, I'm going to get my stool. This is my way of talking straight to you, gut level, a little closer to your eye level. Let's be clear. How many of you guys think that all 10 were grateful? Can I see your hands? I mean, be honest. All 10 were grateful. There's not a single one of those guys that was like, 
nothing to me. (laughs) No, every single one of them was grateful. But what did Jesus do? He slowed everything down. He called out something to make sure that people who were watching understood. He said, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? And then he says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, if you know a little bit about Samaritans and Jews, the Jews thought they were the ones who were righteous and holy, and they were God's people, and the Samaritans were the bad people. And so Jesus here speaks something that Luke does in all of his gospel. Every chance he gets, he points out that there are people that are outside the polite religious society that kept doing what God wanted them to do. They didn't fit in, but they were fine with God because Jesus brought them in and they worshiped him as the savior of the world, not in the way that the polite society would have had them do it, but the way that God wanted them to. He calls out, not because he's trying to call this man out for being a foreigner or make them feel bad in any way, shape, or form. He's like, hey, hold on. This guy's not even God's child in your eyes, and he's the only one who came back. And there are a bunch of people running the other direction who didn't have time to come back and say thanks that were God's children in your eyes. Huh. Interesting. That's what Jesus is doing when he's pointing this out. Are you guys with me? Y'all understand what I'm saying here? Okay. So this is what's going on, and Jesus is not letting it just simply pass by. He's saying, hold on just a second. Make sure and grasp what you're seeing. Or if he were Randy Puckett, which he'd not, (laughs) very clearly, Randy Puckett's trying to be him, not the other way around for sure. He would say, don't miss this, right? I mean, y'all know. Okay, so here's the don't miss this. A couple of things to notice here. There's a way to express gratitude, and it is always verbally. Verbally. Not that the other nine didn't feel it, but only one took the time to what? Say it. Okay, now, here's the don't miss this. Jesus was the son of man. He knew the minds of others even when they didn't speak what they are thinking. Go throughout the entire catalog of the gospels. You'll see it everywhere. Jesus is constantly asking questions that they were already thinking. He's constantly saying something that blows their mind because it was already in their mind. They just hadn't expressed it. And he himself insisted that gratitude should be expressed verbally. The one who knew who was and who was not thankful, the one who knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, called it out and said, "Uh uh-uh, not good enough. You have to express it verbally. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Y'all can feel it all day long. You can feel it as much as you want, but if you're not expressing it verbally in your life, It's not doing you any good. It's not doing them any good. And even further and more accurately, it's hurting you. It's hurting them. There's the natural space for gratitude and thanks that you're not filling with gratitude and thanks. And so they begin to, do y'all remember the word I used earlier? They begin to withdraw. So just catch that and make sure of that. This is our second something to learn, and then we're going to do another don't miss this right here in line. Samaritans and Jews usually had nothing to do with each other in daily life, but the leper colony was clearly made up of both Jews and Samaritans. Without family and friends in their life, they turned to one another in their need. And Luke, as was his way, was pointing it out that Samaritan's man expressed gratitude. He was the one 
who lived what God wanted him to live in that moment. And don't miss this. We read into the silence of others, and most often we read into it as if they feel contempt, not as if they feel content. I'm going to say this one more time, and I want you to listen and think about it. We read into the silence of others, and most often we read into that silence as if they feel contempt, not as if they feel content. If you guys understand, can you give me an amen there? You understand? You do this. You do this and I do this. When there's silence, what do we begin to think? I wonder what I did. I wonder what I didn't do. I wonder what I should have done but didn't do. I wonder what they were expecting from me. I wonder why they don't want to talk to me. I I wonder why there was a natural place for them to express appreciation, but they didn't. What's up with that? I wonder why this is happening, right? And then this second thing to notice very quickly, there's a way to express gratitude verbally. We've already talked about that, but there's also a best time to express gratitude before diminishing returns kick in. Now, look, the haircut thing. You can come back and tell me a week later, you know, your hair's looking good now. (laughs) And I appreciate that, but that's still been a whole week that I've been stewing on the fact that you went, huh, new haircut. Am I right? There's a natural space, and the longer that it goes unfilled, the more space there is between us and vice versa. So very quickly, here's the big idea, and you guys know I'm going to have you say it aloud here in a minute, but I want you to look at the big idea. People gravitate towards gratitude. People gravitate towards gratitude, and I want you to hear this and understand this. It's not even a decision, it's a response. You probably don't think to yourself, I really want to be around fill in the blank, because they are always expressing gratitude, and they seem to be grateful that I'm around. You never say that in your head, ever, but you know who they are, don't you? Don't you? I'm looking around. Some of y'all are just sitting there. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all know there are people in your life that seem to be grateful every time you walk in the room. Their eyes light up. They smile. And it's not just a smile that comes here ah, and nothing here. Their whole face smiles. Their whole body says, you're welcome. We're excited to have you here. This is what we do. We like those people instinctively. We enjoy being around those people without giving a single thought as to why. You know why? Because you and I want to be appreciated. And when we are appreciated, we gravitate towards it. When we fail to feel it, we, what's the word I used before? Withdraw. People gravitate towards gratitude. And even though it's never a conscious decision in their mind, It's a response that almost always happens. So let's say our big idea together. Just the the first four four words there. You don't have to go any deeper. But on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. People gravitate towards gratitude. How many of you guys believe it? Give me an amen. Amen? All right, let's keep moving. Here's how this plays out. And I'm going to be honest, I think I'm going to be doing this a little bit more because sometimes I I maybe make an assumption that you grasp some of the reasons that I'm sharing the big idea or maybe think about some of the ways that these things play out and you maybe get them, maybe you don't. 
But there's some things that I can maybe show that you haven't thought of, and you can come back to me and tell me later some of the things that you thought about. But here's how we can play it out. Gratitude sounds like compliments, feels like kindness. It comes out in our attitude, and it shows itself in forgiveness. Would you guys all agree with that? Those four things, we know that. So think about this. Here's what I know. I'm going to make this first one personal, and I'll make the third one personal as well. Um, Compliments for my spouse. I don't ever want Shelly to be complimented by somebody at work that tells her that she looks good and her go, man, I haven't heard that in years. Now, let's go back for a minute. What's that big idea? People gravitate towards gratitude And if she has not heard that from me, but she starts hearing it from somewhere else, guess where she's going to start gravitating? It's not even a decision. It's a response. Guess where she's going to start gravitating? See how this plays out? See how important this is? This thing with your kids, by the way. If you haven't ever got anything other than what they ought to do, but you never compliment on what they're already doing, or compliment them on just being a great kid. All of that stuff, like it's for your kids, it's for your spouse, it's for your coworkers. This is something that you can leverage or you can fight against and wish it weren't this way, but I'm here to tell you it is this way. People gravitate towards gratitude, and if you have it, you will attract people, including all the ones that you want to attract, the people that are important in your life, but if you do not, they will begin to, I keep saying it, but y'all, I want to make sure you get it. They will begin to withdraw, move out of your life instead of moving in and staying. Kindness for your coworkers or even strangers. If you grab it, if they have that kindness, they will appreciate you. They will connect with you. They will be kind to you. They will treat you differently. The attitude, what attitude are you giving to your kids if you're constantly upset or frustrated or even if it feels like to them? And by the way, most of the kids are already gone and in the back. So can we just be honest? Man, I don't know about you, but I was a wreck when I was a teenager. Can I get an amen? I mean, I was just a wreck. Man, I thought I knew everything. It turns out I knew nearly nothing. I mean, close, very, very close to nearly nothing. And I thought I had it all figured out. And so every time I got myself sideways with somebody, it was clearly their fault. Truth be told, it was usually, guess who? Me. It was my attitude. My attitude was pushing people away from me. My attitude was provoking people to treat me in a different way. And all of these things. And I constantly felt like my parents hated me. I have amazing Ward and June Cleaver parents and upbringing. I thought they hated me. I thought they were embarrassed of me. I thought they didn't like me and couldn't stand to be around me, but they had to be because they were contractually obligated. I mean, my dad was a pastor after all. He couldn't just leave me out on the streets. Do any of y'all identify with any of this? I know at least two or three of y'all are like, oh yeah, that was me when I was a kid. So if that is how it was when things were in a good situation, when you're really struggling, imagine how bad it could be. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to give your kids an attitude that embraces them, not pushes them away. And then forgiveness for your friends. Your friends will let you down. 
Your kids will let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your spouse will let you down. If you cannot forgive, if you cannot say, you know what, I'm just grateful that you're in my life. Not that you're a perfect person, but that you're in my life. If you can't do that, then you will push people away. People gravitate towards gratitude. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm. Jesus' command in John chapter 15. Uh, Sorry, John chapter 13. I apologize. He also shares it in John 15. But he says, a new command, I give you love one another as as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I shared this with you last week. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 grows on it. I shared that with you last week to prove to you that love was not a feeling, but instead it was a decision, a choice, and an action. Here's what I want to share with you to go you one better. God does not command you to feel a certain way. He commands you to act in a certain way. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I didn't intend to do this, but I'm going to pick this up next week. Because I really want you guys to hear what I have to say. And I know that the mind can only endure what the bottom can endure, okay? So I don't want to keep you guys too long. But come back next week because we're going to talk about what it looks like to live and give gratitude. And I promise you it can change your life, change your relationships, and most importantly for you, can change your outlook in a dramatic way. But for most of us, we never will change because we worry about self first and then worry about others. That's what happened in this passage of scripture. Those nine were off to, to, to deal with what was touching them first and then forgot the other things that they should have done. And for most of us, it's not that we don't feel gratitude. It's that we just are forgetful and busy. We'll talk more about that next week.